It's a pleasure to be here. I'll go ahead and tell you now, some of us are going to be encouraged. Some of us are going to get slapped around today. Amen. And uh, I, I don't ever share anything with you guys that the Lord doesn't deal with me first. Um, and if I, I just want to say, if I took the time to pray and ask God for a word from heaven for you, ask you for the time to listen to it, no matter how long it takes, even if it's for the next 12 days, because I've got a series here. Which normally, uh, if I don't preach with notes, I'll go two hours, but I've got four pages. So, so just I'm gonna I want to give a quick update for those of you that are new that haven't heard us in the last two years. Uh, it was about two years ago since we were here, and uh, for those of you that are new to the churches, my wife and I live in Lima, Peru, city of somewhere between eight to ten million people. We don't know because they can't count everybody, and uh, their backuses don't a back eye. They don't they don't go that high, and uh, people run out of fingers, and. Uh, we helped co-pastor a church in Lima, about 70 people, 50 to 70 people. I'm just going to do this real quick because most of you know who we are, and I just want to share what God's put on our heart. I have my to-do list here. I better turn it to my actual message part. You know, and um, people say, well, what do you do? What, what do you do on the mission field? And I don't know what most missionaries do, but the Lord told me years ago, it's misquoting the Bible, but he applied it to me. Ephesians 5, 15, and 16. It says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, for the days are evil. And the Lord said, I want you to make the most of every opportunity. So people ask us, what do you do? I say, we make the most of every opportunity. Uh, about a year ago, a lady came up to us. She has an orphanage in our district. Our district's about two square miles. There's about 100,000 people in that two square miles. And... Uh, she said, David, Rachel, we have a, you know, you've been helping here here at the orphanage, but we have a, a comedor, soup kitchen. We have a soup kitchen in Pachacutec, which is an hour and a half to two hours away, in Lima still, by bus. So she said, you know, these people, their dream and their goal in life, they're eight years old, seven years old, nine, ten, eleven years old. Their dream is to grow up so they can become prostitutes and drug addicts. And I'm like, that blows your mind. Well, why do they want to do that? Because those are the people that have money. And she says, we're feeding them physically, but we don't have anything for them. Can you go? And it was an opportunity. So we hopped on a bus two hours each way, and we went. Sometimes not knowing if anyone was going to show up. Well, what else do you do? You know, I'd like to take Eric and the teams when, they're co- when they come, but we just never have enough time. There's an area outside of Lima called Cayel, and uh, I've been working. I don't really like Rachel to go down there, so um, it's a little bit dangerous. And so... There's an area called Canada, Canada, of all things, and um, it's one of the poorest areas I've seen, probably the hardest area spiritually I've ever seen against the gospel, as far as resistant. I was a missionary in the Netherlands for four and a half years, and I've been in Western Europe, Eastern Europe, against communist thinking. This is still one of the hardest areas, and we had a church there, and a lady who was about four foot two was the pastor of the church, and if some of you that are maybe new to this thing and think, well, lady can't pastor the church. Well, that might be, you might think that, but you're not there to do it, so she has to do it. And uh, so she's there and she's reaching out to these women and she's reaching out to these children. And uh, she learned what cocaine preparations smell like and heroin preparations smell like from the four and five years old, five-year-old. There's a guy there that, that is known for bestiality. But anyway, our church in that area just recently got burned down. The whole area got burned down. So now we have 300 families that were, are living in tents. And, and, and so that's an area where we're supporting her. And there's other things to it. She wants to, 
she wants to um, create workshops and teach the women a trade, so sewing, baking, so they don't have to prostitute themselves, so they can find a way to provide for their children. We, I've already told you we helped pastor a church in Lima. This year we're starting to see, this year I've been a Christian since I was 15, so 19 years, and I'm starting to see things I've never seen before. This year alone, we've seen legs grow out, we've seen arms grow out. Amen. We were in Colca in the, in the mountains in April, and uh, I saw a lady with the blind eyes she was able to see after we left. And I'm starting to see things, and, and I want to encourage you, and I'll do that later. I'll do that later. So we're, we're starting to see God do a lot of stuff. You know, and, but my heart, more than anything, is to, to be in the mountains. Before I moved to Peru, we took a trip down in 2009, and we were seeing legs grow out of this conference. 300 pastors from two different countries. Some of them traveled from, there's a city in the, in the jungle called Iquitos. It's the largest city in the world, not accessible by road. It's surrounded by the Amazon River. It's an island of 300,000 people. And some of these people took boats and then buses, and then when they ran out of the money, they walked. And it took them five days to get there. And we were seeing such a hunger in some of these pastors and such a hunger in some of these leaders. And I was in just a small little meeting, and I said, okay, God, thank you, but what do you want to do in this nation? And immediately I was reminded of a vision a friend of mine had years ago when God was calling him to India. He he saw from a bird's eye view, he was looking down on a map of India. It was completely dark except the border. And then he just saw a fire here break and a fire there and a fire there and smoke would rise up. And as the smoke rose up to where the Lord was and where my friend was caught up in this vision, I didn't see the vision. I was reminded of it. He said he heard these screams and these cries. And my friend Josh, he said, Lord, what are these? And the Lord spoke to Josh and said, Josh, these are the cries of the people that have never heard my name. And then immediately my mind, I saw the mountains of Peru. I saw fires and villages. And since that moment in August of 2009, I wanted to reach the mountains. I'm not saying I'm the best one to do it, but I'm there. And uh, our heart is to reach those people. And, and some, you guys, a lot, some of you guys have been with us, Brent and JJ and Mike Hutchinson and Eric and Judah and Justin, Nick and Ray, and hopefully I'm not forgetting anybody. Buddy. And, and you guys have seen a little bit of it. And I want to encourage you guys that we have like eight pictures in the back you guys can go and look at it. Our board, Rachel, put it together. It's awesome. And we have a sign-up sheet. If you guys want to get our newsletter, you guys can, can get it. I want to read you an email I got from a brother that we support. Last year in April, we, uh, we did a crusade, some crusade evangelism. And there wasn't a big turnout, maybe 40, 50 people in two nights. And we didn't think we saw a whole lot of fruit. Well, we, we come back in November with Eric's team. Excuse me. And uh, there's 40 or 50 people meeting in that room now. It's a mud brick room, no electricity, no running water, in an area where there's no church. In an area of our keeper, 1.2 million people in this city, in this area, there's no church. And uh, they're doing it again. And they have a heart to reach a different area of the mountains called Machawai, which is an eight-hour bus ride and a four-hour walk. And this is what he sent me on Wednesday. David and Rachel, uh, forgive me for not sending my report of Chinchin Arequipa. I've been very busy recently. On Friday, I finished the evangelism campaign that we did house to house in our zone, in our area. And on Saturday, my, my father-in-law, Pastor Adolfo, came to Arequipa to celebrate his anniversary for 50 years. He's the only pastor in his village, in his area, 100 villages. 
Today we are traveling to a zone called Pedregal, which if the way we went to Wambo, if you went the other way, it's two hours. To visit some families two hours from Arequipa, always seeing the extension of the kingdom in this area, we plead for your prayers. The next week I will be traveling to Machawai with my father-in-law, my in-laws, in order to visit the brothers of his church. Furthermore, to pray for the opening of another church in this area called Machawai, eight hours by bus from Arequipa, and then four hours on foot or horse. Brother, I'm asking you, because I asked them to send me an official report. Brother, I'm asking, this is my uh, solicitude, of a donation of chairs. Furthermore, I would ask that you would be able to add two plastic tables, like the ones I have, because the, the children that we started with are riding in the floor, the mud floor. And for four months, we don't have anything else. So we were able to send them 12 chairs last week. We're meeting in a mud brick room. And uh, thank God for air conditioner in Houston. But these are people who don't have air conditioning. These are people who don't have electricity. And in the biggest request, I said, brother, what do you need? He said, can you give me plastic chairs? And so these are the people we're supporting. These are the people we're encouraging that are opening churches left and right. And uh, there's more to it, but you know what? You guys can talk to us afterwards. Hebrews chapter 12. Do you guys have the ability to put stuff on the screen? Yeah, because I have a lot of scripture. I apologize now for using a lot of the Bible while preaching the gospel. You know, there's, a, there's some quotes while they're looking it up. Hebrews 12, I want to read to you guys. I read it this last week. I'm reading a book called Revolution of World Missions by K.P. Yohanan. I encourage everyone to get it. And I'm not here asking you for money. I'm here to tell you what God's put in my heart, but let this challenge you. This is K.P. Yohanan in his book, Revolution of World Missions. Why can't we at least earmark 10% of our Christian giving for the cause of world evangelism? If Christians in the United States alone had made this commitment in 2000, there would have been nearly $10 billion available for the gospel. In 2000, had the church, not this church, the church, Christians given 10% to, to reach the loss of the world, there would have been, would have been $10 billion for gospel outreach. Here's another one. I preached a message one time in West Monroe, Louisiana, a small assembly of God church called the local church, the hope of the world. And I believe that you guys are in an awesome place here. For those of you that are new, I'd like to encourage you, if you can, to keep coming back. This is, this is out of uh, the 34, 35 countries in the world I've been to. This is one of the three most missions-minded churches I've ever been in. But I want you, it says that he said this, the church or a group of believers is God's ordained place for discipleship to take place. God's plan A for the redemption of the world is the church, and He has no plan B. God has no plan B. You know, some my, my brother, when we were younger, he used to, you know, is God all powerful? Well, of course, He can do anything. Can He make a rock so big He can't lift it? Well, yes, He can, because when Jesus came to the earth, He couldn't lift it. So there you go. He can lift it, and He couldn't lift it. You know, it's not that hard to me. Can God do anything? Will God do anything? Not without you. He has limited himself to the church. Jesus is the head, but a head without a body can't do a whole lot. And a head without a body that can move can't do a whole lot. 
And if the body refuses to move, the head still can't do a whole lot. And so Hebrews 12, we good? We got it? Not verse 1, no. Maybe verse 4? I'd have to turn there myself. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Let's keep going, please. And you have forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. The song we sang in the beginning before we started singing was something like, I'm not a slave again to fear, I'm a son. Today, you know, Nick had a word from the Lord about he is a father and we are sons and daughters. You have forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son or daughters, if men can be part of the body of Christ, when I say sonship, it applies to ladies too. My son, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. Don't lose heart when he rebukes you. Uh Uh-oh. Keep going. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. It's quoting Proverbs 3, 11, and 12, I think. It says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as the father of the son he delights in. Keep going. Endure hardship as discipline. God's treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you're not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are bastards and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us for our Uh, and we respected them for it, how much more should we submit to the Father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good that we may share in His holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful later on. However, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Last verse. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Today the Lord is going to need to discipline some of us, including myself. Today the Lord is wanting to encourage us. Some of you have been going through a really tough time. And you need to be encouraged and you need to be strengthened. And today the Lord is going to do that. I want you to lift up your eyes to the Lord from where your help comes from. Amen? Father, speak to our hearts and change our lives. God, we love you. God, we receive your encouragement and we receive your discipline, God. You're holy. We bless you. We declare that you are King of kings and Lord of lords. And we need you today, God, for you are worth it all. Like we sang, you are worth it all. Every nation, God, every soul. Father, you are worth it all. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. If I offend you today, it's because I want you to remember it. If I make you laugh today, it's because I want you to remember it. So here goes my title. I want you to remember what God says to you. You ready? Son of a question mark. There you go. Son of a question mark. I didn't curse. It's okay. It will be all right. Jesus still loves you. Galatians chapter 4. You can just put it on the screen, please. Verse 3. I'll start in verse 1, and he can pick up in verse 3 when we get there. What I'm saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. He is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman, born under law, 
to redeem those under the law that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons and daughters, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. Last verse. So you are no longer a slave but a son or daughter, and since you are a son, God has also made you an heir. I'll try to, I'll try to be quick, but I'm not promising anything. Number one, you know, if it sounds basic... Awesome. If it sounds profound, awesome. Matthew says that a good teacher of the law brings forth out of his storehouse old treasures as well as new. For some of you, this is going to be old news. For some of you, this is going to be new. But I do want to encourage you and I do want to challenge you today. Point number one, God has given us the right to access all he is and all he has. Number one, God has given us the right to access all he is and all he has. Verse 5 says, to redeem those under the law that we might receive the full rights of sons. Verse 7, you are no longer a slave but a son, and since you are a son, God has also made you an heir. We have the full right to access everything he is and everything he has. Hebrews chapter 6 excuse me, I think it's verse 19 or 20, it says in the New American Standard, we have this hope as an anchor of the soul, which is entered before us behind the veil. We have a hope that's gone on ahead of us, thank you. Firm and secure, and enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain, keep going, where Jesus who went before us has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. We have access now to the Holy of Holies. We have access to the presence of God. God is not limited except by your unbelief and by my disobedience. God is not limited except by you and by me. We have access because we are no longer slaves. We are sons and we are daughters of God Almighty. We sing a song in Peru, and if you guys, I assume they sing it in Mexico, you can't have church in Peru without singing this song. It's, Eres todo poderoso, eres grande. God, you are all powerful. You are great. You are majestic. There's no one like you. And they do it, and we do it here. We sing songs, and we're lying while we sing it because we don't believe it or we don't live it. You guys still love me? Doesn't matter, I can always leave unless I go back to the bathroom. I'm just kidding. Second Peter one. Second Peter one verse three, please. You have full access to everything God is, everything God has, everything God has done. His divine power has given us everything we need, has given us. Not one day will give us. He's already done it. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him, problem is most of us don't know Him, who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these He has given us His very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Listen, if we can escape the corruption in the world, no, verse 4, please, we'll stop there. If we can escape the corruption in the world, that means we can participate now in His divine nature. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. Not one day. Here and now. Everyone asks, is this the last generation? I'll go ahead and tell you perfect theology. It's Jesus. Jesus is perfect theology. Well, what's your end time theology? Jesus is king. 
Jesus will win. Jesus has already won. Will he come before the rapture, during the rapture? Has the rapture already happened? Are you predators? Are you, are, you, are you this or that? Who cares? It's good to know and it's good to study. That's not what I'm saying. But so many of us get caught up in the externals. I don't want to worry about one day what a stinking mark is going to look like. I want his kingdom to come now through me on the earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Hasten the day of the Lord's coming. How? Be the kingdom. Yeah. Matthew 10, verses 7 and 8. As you go, preaching the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely by you, you have received, freely give. As you go, the kingdom of one day the kingdom of heaven is going to come. Lazarus, John chapter 11. Martha, Jesus is there. And Martha, oh Lord, had you been here, I'm the resurrection and the life. I know one day and the last day you're raising I am. You have access. And if you are a son or a daughter of Jesus Christ, you are an heir of all he did, all he is, all he wants to do. But he said it yesterday, greater things will you do. Amen. Unless you don't believe or unless you walk in disobedience. We have access to walk out his divine nature now. That's holiness that's also joy. You know, some of you guys have been beat up, and I'm not here to beat you up. If you've been struggling, sickness, you know, we know Sister Didi's been struggling right now. But you know what? God is. Amen. God is. Amen. God is. Jesus doesn't, I, you know, it doesn't say this in the Bible anywhere, but I don't think Jesus has ever been fallen off the throne. You know, I don't think he's ever slipped on a banana peel or on those slippery rocks in the mountains. I, he's still in control. Jesus is. Luke chapter 12, verse 32. You guys all know this story. It's in Matthew chapter 6. It's a parallel. Parallel. Don't worry about what you'll eat or what you'll drink. Don't worry about what you'll wear, for your Father knows you need all these things. Matthew 6, 33 says... Don't seek, uh, seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. And the parallel in Luke 12, 32, Jesus says, That's fine. Don't be afraid, little frock. Frock? Frock? Shaka-ka-ka-ka. Do not be afraid, little flock, for the Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Not one day will give you the kingdom. Not, oh, glory, one day, brother, I'm holding on. I'll make it. Might not. Might not. <laughs> Normally I end up speaking until I run out of water or I have to pee. I've got two bottles so we know which one will happen first. <laughs> Don't be afraid, little flock. The Father has already given you the kingdom. What is the kingdom? Look, I got a credit card here. Who wants to have it? He doesn't know what my limit is. Ha! I'm just kidding. He has access to all that I have. But unless he uses it, it's worthless. It's plastic. You have access to all that he is and all that he has. But unless you use it, you have nothing. Or I have nothing. Can I have my card back, please? <laughs> I'm just kidding. 
well, I'm actually, I'm not kidding. You know, you have access to all that he is and all that he has. You know, I heard it say, someone say one time, most of the church in America is filled with unbelieving believers. Yeah. And it's true for me, more often than I want to admit it. Oh, God, where are we going to pay the next bill from? How many times has he come through? How many times has he, has, you know, God is faithful. I don't know where it says it. I think it's in 1 Thessalonians 5.24. You can go and put it on. I get mixed up now between English and Spanish. I don't know what to say. The one who calls you is faithful, he'll also do it. Corinthians says something about being faithful too. I can't quote it. I don't remember it. Faithful is he who calls you, and he will bring it to pass. Faithful is he who calls you. He will do it. Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Therefore, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning the same, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Who is the author? Who is the perfecter? Jesus. And you have access to all he is. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Number two, we read in Galatians chapter 4, verse 3, so also when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. So here's number two. What are some of the basic principles of the world that are holding you in slavery? What are some of these basic principles in the world holding you in slavery? I'm just going to, this isn't by any means exhaustive. But I'm just going to read it. Put up Romans 6, please, starting in verse 15. What are some of the basic principles of the world that are holding you in slavery? A, sin. Sin. We're going to read from 15 to 23. I think, yeah. What then shall we, si shall we sin because we're not under law but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves... You are slaves to the one to whom you obey. Basic, you were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. You are slaves to the one to whom you obey. Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or slaves to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obey the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You have been set free from sin, have been, and have become slaves to righteousness I put this in human terms because you are weak in your natural selves as just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer them in slavery to righteousness leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you're now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin, have been, and have become slaves to God, you're going to be a slave of somebody. You guys need to look up the old Bob Dylan song, uh, Better Serve Somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to serve somebody is what it says. The benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the, death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. A, what are some of the basic principles of the world that hold us in slavery? Sin. Luke 15, you guys have all heard the story of the prodigal son. He wasted his money. Okay. Sin. B, performance or religion. And this is what happens more often than not in the church. Go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 15. 
28 and 29, please, on the screen. So we all know the story about, how many of you think that the prodigal son story is about the younger brother? Raise your hand. How many of you think it's about the older brother? Raise your hand. How many of you don't have a stinking idea? It's about the father, but it's, it's really about the older brother. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. And you notice he doesn't answer the question. If you read the context, he leaves it with them, and he just walks off. The older brother became, you know, so you guys know the story. The father, you know, his son was his dead but come back to life. He ran, which was shameful in that culture. Bring the best robe, put it on my son. Who had the best robe in the house? The father. Put some sandals on his feet. Slaves didn't wear sandals. Who wore the sandals? Sons. So we go through all this, and then the, the older brother's pissed off. The older brother became, became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been for you. God, I've never disobeyed your orders. God, you didn't even give me a young goat to keep married with my friends. Thank you. God, all these years I've been in the church. God, all these years I've been cleaning the bathrooms. All these years the pastor didn't even hug me today or say hello. Got all these years and they won't even let me sing. It's because you can't sing. <laughs> it has nothing to do with other gifts. And I can't sing either, and that's okay. Grow up. Pastor hasn't been here in three weeks. Who cares? There are other men of God, women of God here. Man, this the church can be, not this church, I'm not, but we can be so fickle, man. We can be so wishy-washy. It's hot outside. I don't want to. All these years I've been slaving for you. And some of us have a mentality where we're not really encountering and entering into the Father's presence. Because all these years we've been slaving for you. We've been doing stuff, doing stuff, doing stuff. Look, faith without works is dead, but the reason we do works is because the Father loves us and He loves through us. We don't do works because we want to gain His approval. We do works because Jesus died to reach and save the lost, and He loves us. If you're here today and you've been striving, performance-based, maybe you had a crappy father or a crappy home situation, you know, I'm here to tell you that God is a good father and he loves you. God is a good father. And you know, a lot of times, maybe when we pass through hard times, the devil comes and he says, is God really good? Did God really say? What about the promises? Same thing he did to Eve. Did God really mean what he said he meant? God, if you really love me, why, why am I going through this? Why this? Why that? In this world you'll have trouble, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He is a good father, and he's faithful. And he loves you, no matter what you do, okay? C, fear, Romans 8, 14 and 15. What are some of the basic principles of the world? Sin, performance or religion without relationship, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. C, fear, because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God, 15. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, 
but you receive the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. A lot of people won't step out to do something for God because they're afraid they're going to fall on their face. I'm going to go ahead and set you free from some fear right now. You can't save anybody and you can't heal anybody. It's up to Jesus, so put the burden back on Him. You can still talk to people about Jesus. It doesn't matter if they reject your message or not. They're not rejecting you, they're rejecting Jesus. You can pray for the sick. It doesn't matter if they get healed or not because it's God who heals. You can't do anything anyway except be available. I told you we're starting to see arms and legs grow out. We were in a meeting in Kolka in the mountains in April. Same meeting, 10 people maybe. Two ladies, two old ladies, like 927 years old each. One I'm blind in the right eye, the other one blind in the left eye. Lady with the blind in the left eye left seen. Lady blind in the right eye left the same. I don't know why, but you know what? If we didn't pray for the one lady with the left eye, she wouldn't have been healed. We do evangelism in our area, in our market, once a week or every other week, and we go with a, a couple. This dude had an accident when he was younger. They cut, amputated his right arm. We're seeing legs and arms grow out in our church, but we haven't seen his arm grow out yet. I don't know why, but you know what? He still goes for it. And we went out, and Rachel had an idea to give out cookies and hot, uh, hot water, water to people on a hot day because these are the street sweepers and the cleaners, and these are the despised and the looked down upon. And we were going, and I'll be honest, we spent an hour and a half burning up, talking to people, praying for people, and saw nothing. And I told Rachel, I said, Rachel, I'm hot. I have a meeting in two hours. I'm going to go home and shower. This is the last person we're talking to. Great man of faith. (laughs) This woman came up to us, and the guys with this, I was actually trying to walk home anyway, but they started to evangelize more. So they started talking to her. She starts crying, old lady, and she was trying to sell gum or something. And she was crying, I have osteoporosis. I was in the hospital today because of the pain. They couldn't do anything for me, and I haven't sold a single thing. I don't have any hope. They said, can we pray? So in in the great faith, I was like, okay, crap, I'll pray again. I got down like this. She had pain in her knees. I said, Jesus, God, you're holy. We bless you. Thank you that on the cross, by your stripes, we are healed. Father, I ask that you take away the pain. We command the pain to leave now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. I look up. She opened her eyes. All the pain's gone. All the pain's gone. Somehow in that one-minute prayer, a crowd of about 10 to 20 people had gathered around us. And as soon as they heard her say, I don't have any pain anymore. Jesus took away my pain. Two ladies immediately asked us, do you charge to pray for healing? I said, no. They said, well, I have arthritis. Well, I have this. I have that. And one right after another, after another, after another. For an hour and a half, we had the police come or the security force. We had young guys filming their filming. Just a, a crowd gathered around as God healed one person after another, after another, after another. One lady came up. She had a sprained ankle. Her ankle was the size of my head. And that could be pretty big sometimes. Just ask my wife. And uh, I said, sit down, sweetheart. And, and I said, okay, pray. I said, okay, I want you to start twisting your ankle. And she does, and I start hearing, as it just began to crackle and snap and pop. And I, I felt all this in my hand as well, and I just watched it just go down. And this lady's eyes were just bug-eyed, man, and she was like, what the heck's happening? Of course, she didn't say that. She speaks Spanish. But, and this dude, about an hour later, he goes, hey, I saw Jesus heal that lady with the ankle. I got a sprained ankle, too. For an hour and a half, we saw one person after another after another 
get to hear the gospel and Jesus heal them. Every single time we've gone out, week after week after week, I've never seen one thing happen. But I want to encourage you, keep going for it. Amen. Keep going for it. Amen. Don't grow weary in doing well, for at the proper time you will reap the harvest. Amen. Keep shattering seed. Keep praying for your loved ones. I'm possibly beginning to see the restoration of my family that my wife had prayed for that I don't have faith for. I haven't had it for 19 years. And I'm just now possibly beginning to see it happen. And if it weren't for her faith, that's why I read Hebrews 12, 13 or whatever it was, strengthen the feeble knees that we may be healed. We need one another. The local church is the hope of the world. This is where you come. This is your gas station so you can go back out. This is your gas station. Okay, fear. Who cares if they don't get healed? You know, I heard a guy named Johnny Jernigan say one time, if they beat you up, God will heal you, and if they kill you, you get to be with God. There you go. Fear. Leonard Ravenhill once said, a man intimate with God will never be intimidated by man. I love you, but I don't care what you think. I love each and every one of you, but I really don't care what you think because I know what God thinks. And if you finally realize what Jesus thinks about you, what he's provided for you, you can do all things. All things are possible for him who believes. D. Hey, what are some basic principles of the world that hold us in slavery? A, sin. B, performance. C, fear. D, trials. Suffering. Sound like you're in a pain. Suffering. Romans 8, verse 18 and 19. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. Verse 22 and 23, please. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Romans 5, 1, please. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace into which we now stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our suffering. Because suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because God has poured out His love in our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He has given us. Some of you have been disappointed. Rachel and I have gone through a season this year slammed, slammed with disappointment. But God is faithful. Yes, He is. God is faithful. And God is bigger. And God is able. And hope does not disappoint. Yes, we all know hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Job 14.7, please. It's not in my notes, but I'll read it anyway. If you've been burned by life or burned by people and you've gotten disillusioned and hopeless, at least there is hope for a tree. If it's cut down, it will sprout again, and its new shoots will not fail. Following... Its roots may grow old in the ground, and its stump die in the soil. Yet at the scent of water, it will bud and put forth shoots like a plant. Some of you have lost hope, but I'm telling you what. Jesus Christ is living water. Yes, 
And he's here today. And in Ezekiel, I think it's chapter 47, and it's again in Revelation 21 and 22. Out of the throne of God, there is a river of life that provides for the healing of the nations. There is life in His presence. In His presence is fullness of joy and life forevermore. If you're hopeless, if you're discouraged, Jesus wants to encourage you today and strengthen you today. God is. And if you are a son or a daughter, you have access to living water. I am the resurrection and the life. That which has died in you, Jesus will resurrect and bring to life. Your dreams, your visions... Parents, listen to me. If your kids are away from the Lord, keep going for it. If, if, if your marriage is on rocky relationship, keep going for it. Don't give up. You're still kicking. You're still alive. You still have breath. It's a gift of God. There's hope. In the name of Jesus, we declare life over Didi right now. We curse cancer by the blood of Jesus. I curse cancer by the blood of Jesus. And we join our prayers with these saints. And we speak life. We speak life in the name of Jesus. We speak hope to, uh, to our brother, Father. We speak hope in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. In this world, you will have trouble. But you can be of good cheer. He has overcome the world. Sorrow may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Not only lasts so long, folks. Morning's coming, I promise That's you. Right. Morning's coming, okay? That's right. Just hold on. The best advice I ever got was from someone when I was 18 years old. A pastor said, brother, give me some advice as I'm starting out on my journey. He said, don't give up till tomorrow. Tomorrow comes, don't give up till tomorrow. Keep holding on. And when you don't have any strength anymore, hold on. Stand firm then. I'll tell you what, you're not going to make it. I'm not going to make it because we're great followers. We're going to make right. it because he's a great leader. That's Amen. Right. He's the good shepherd who laid his life down for me. It's not based on how well you run, how good you pray, how anointed your prayers are. He's a good father, and he loves you, and he loves the world, and he wants to love the world through you. Trials, rejection, hopelessness. I've already covered that. Romans 5, hopelessness. Unforgiveness. Listen, if you've got unforgiveness in your life, that'll stop the power of God and the life of God more than anything. I've said this before and I'll say it again. Hopelessness, this is the, or not hopelessness, unforgiveness is the best example I can give you. It's like if I'm, if I'm pissed off at Buddy and I drink bleach and I expect him to suffer. Unforgiveness will hold you back and hold you down. That will destroy your life. Hebrews, I think it's 11 or 12, chapter 11, 12, says, and make sure that no bitter root grows up within your midst and causes it to defile many. Bitterness, hopelessness. There's a story, a lady you guys should, when I say there's a story of a lady, I thought of the Brady Bunch song. Here's a story of a lovely lady. But there's a story of a lady named Corrie Ten Boom, and you guys should all read about her life. She was from Holland. When she was 50-something years old, her family was taken into concentration camps with the Nazis for hiding Jews. And um, her sister died in the concentration camp. Her dad died a few, day, a few days after they lost a lot of her family. And the Lord called her when she was like 55 years old to go around the world and preach the gospel after she got out of a concentration camp. 
excuse me. And um, she was preaching in a meeting. I don't know if it was in Germany or where it was. But she said this old man walked up to her. And he said, Sister Corey, she recognized his face. She had this hatred that just welled up inside of her. You may not recognize him, not yet. It's my, it's my illustration. I'm just kidding. He said, Sister Corey, you may not recognize me. And, of course, she did, but she didn't say it. I was one of the guards in, the, in Ravensbrück, the concentration camp, that used to basically beat them and used to where her sister died. And I just want you to know that I've become a Christian and the Lord's forgiven me, but I want to ask you to forgive me. Can you imagine? And it says that all this hatred, all this anger, she made an act of her will. She made a conscious decision to stick out her hand and receive this and say, I forgive you. And as soon as she did, gone. Gone. Hatred, bitterness, self-hatred. Ladies, you don't have to do anything to look pretty for anybody. You don't have to do anything for anybody. You're beautiful as you are. Jesus loves you. And you're, chances are you're the second most beautiful in the world after my wife. Jesus loves you. Number three, God wants us to walk in our inheritance. Psalm 2.8. Number one, God has given us the right to access all He is and all He has because we're sons. Number two, what are some of the basic principles of the world that hold us in slavery? That's by no means... Oh, wait, I'll go ahead and say this one. No, I won't. I'll do it number three. God wants us to walk in our inheritance. Psalm 2.8. Ask of me, I'll make the nations your inheritance. If we're heirs of Christ, what does Revelation 5.9 say? You are worthy because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tongue, tribe, people, and nation. God is calling us to claim our inheritance. Ask of me, I'll give you the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. Go ahead and Romans 8.32, please. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him, Jesus, graciously give us all things? The Lord gave me a prophecy. It's very basic, but he gave me something, and I'm going to share it with the church. That's not for everybody. But then I have something else that applies to the leaders of this house. Tell my church I'm proud of her. Tell my people I love them and I appreciate their sacrifice. I am honored for what they have given. Tell them I see their brokenness, their bruises, and I know their needs. I see and know where they are. In fact, some of you here have said, Lord, I know mentally what the Word says, but do you really see me? Do you really care? Tell my people I see them, I care, but my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor my ways your ways. Tell them to fix their eyes on me. I am the author, I am the perfecter, I am the finisher of their faith. Ask them, even if it costs you everything, will you still answer the call? And I want the leaders and their wives to stand up. Brother Eric, I want the elders. 
I don't say this lightly and I wrestled with saying it, but I'm going to say it anyway. And this goes for every mother, every father. It goes for every wife, every husband. I have a friend named Jason Beard who every time he leaves to go on a trip, he plays a song by Keith Green called, I Pledge My Hands to Heaven, I Pledge My Wife, I Pledge My Children for the Gospel. And Keith Green says in the song, it's easy for me to give up my life. Our missions organization, three years ago, we had our first martyr. We had our first martyr. And I believe the Lord is asking you specifically, just like they did in World War I, World War II, Vietnam, Korea, are you willing to send your sons and daughters into the battle and to die? Are you willing... It's easy to say, I'll give up my life. Are you willing to look at, look at the person to your left and to your right? Are you willing to never see them again? Are you willing to give up their lives to reach the lost and dying world? Are you willing? Eric, it's easy for you to give up your life. Are you willing to give up Gabe? Are you willing to give up Jennifer? Mama? Nick, Daddy, Justin, you willing, bro? Are you willing to pay the cost, no matter the sacrifice? Are you willing? If you don't take up your cross, deny yourself, you're not worthy, and I'm not worthy. He's a good father, but it is time for the nations to hear the name of Jesus. Because with His blood, He was slain and He purchased men for God. And I'm going to say something that can sound controversial to the leaders right now. You know me, you know my heart. Trips are awesome. Thank God for trips. But are you willing to send your sons and daughters on a permanent basis to give up their lives and die? Are you willing? Am I willing Am I willing to give up my own life but God? Chances are I'm not, but God. God is looking for this church. I told you this is one of the three most missions-minded churches in the world. I've been in over 34, 35 countries. Thank God. But God is wanting people to leave and to stay. What does Luke 10, 2 say? Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he'd send forth laborers. The fields are white on the harvest. Ask, beseech, plead with God that he'd send forth laborers. What does the first word of verse 3 say? Go. I'm sending you out as lambs amongst wolves. Sometimes we pray, oh God, send laborers. Are you willing to be the own answer to your own prayer? God, Raise up laborers as long as it's not me or my kids. And are you willing to stay? I heard a man of God say one time, most missionaries think that, you know, overestimate what they could do in two years and underestimate what they could do in five. I'll tell you what, most people don't make it five years. Most don't make it five years. It's hard, it's lonely, it's difficult. 
And I'm not saying that because we're awesome, but you know what? By the grace of God, we're still there. Amen. By the grace of God, we're still there. Am I doing all that probably I should be doing or could be doing? I don't know, but you know what? I'm there. The question is, why aren't you there with me? Or somewhere else? Are you willing to lose, Matt? Gabe, are you willing to lose Cassidy, bro? It's easy for you. I believe it. Fathers and mothers of this house, are you willing to pay that sacrifice? For God so loved the world, He sent His one and only Son. Romans 8.32 But He did not spare His own Son, but graciously gave Him up for us. It sounds like He's fluttering butterflies in the air. It says He was pleased to crush His Son. Are you willing? Am I willing? Whose son are you? Whose daughter are you? Four. Romans 8, 19 through 21. The world is longing in anguish for us to walk out our inheritance as sons and daughters. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought to the glorious freedom of the children of God. Listen. What, 19 again? Creation is longing eagerly, desiring eagerly for the sons of God to be revealed. 21. Why? So that creation will be liberated from bondage to death and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Verse 18. I consider our present suffering so not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Are you willing? Am I willing? Are we willing for the sufferings of Jesus to come in our lives so that creation itself that is bound to decay and death, will be liberated to become the children of God. Are you and I willing to walk out our inheritance? The world is waiting. The world is in anguish. Look, God loves you. He's got a plan for you. He's got a purpose. But He cannot, will not, whatever verb you want to use, the world will not be reached until the sons and daughters of God walk out their inheritance. Are you a son? Are you a daughter? He paid the price for your freedom. Young people, listen to me. He paid the price for our freedom. Listen, healing is yours. Healing is the children's bread. If you're walking in sickness, that is not the will of God. If you haven't seen people healed, keep going for it. Keep preaching the gospel. Keep sharing with your neighbor. Don't grow weary, church. Some of you are in a place where you're running. Awesome. Some of you are walking. Great. Some of you are crawling. Keep moving forward. Don't get picked off. Don't get isolated. Well, I don't fit in. I'm not social. You fit in. You're part of the body. Jesus cannot, will not, Whatever you want to use, he cannot reach the lost without me and without you. It's not the pastor's job to win the lost. 
It's not the pastor's job to go to the nations. You want to know why? Ephesians 4.11 says, And God gave gifts to the church. He gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, for the working of them, for, to, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. It is not Pastor Eric's job to go to the prison. It's his job to take me to Shipley Donuts. I'm just kidding. I've never been. It is your job, my job, our job. What's holding you back? What are some of the things, the basic principles? Is it sin in your life? Are you bound by fear? What will they think? What if they don't get healed? How is the money going to come through for me to live on the mission field? I'm going to say this politely, and I love this church. God is calling some of you as full-time missionaries. Don't hide behind a short-term trip. God is calling not all of you, but he's calling some of you. Don't hide behind a short trip. The leadership team God has placed here, they go out, but you know what? God has called them primarily here to equip you so that you go. Don't hide. Well, in five years, in six... Yes, of course, there's a timing of God. I'm not saying that. Please do not mis- misquote me, okay? Do everything in submission to the leadership team. That's not what I'm saying, so don't misquote me. But please don't hide. There are people that only you can reach. There's a lady in our church in Peru named Judith. She, uh, she does sign language, you know, and, and she's always saying... I don't have any gifts. I don't have any, I can't do anything. And I was reading something. Did you know something like 90 plus percent of, of deaf people in the world, in the world are illiterate, 80 to 90 percent? You know, most of them have never heard the gospel. They're one of the most unreached people groups in the world. And she's sitting here saying, I can't do anything. I told her in a meeting, I said, you did, you can reach an unreached people group that nobody else in this church can reach. Each and every one of you, God has placed things in your lives, in your hearts. He's put things in your hands that only you, only you can fulfill the purposes of God in that life. One life, one family, one nation. Only you. Church, listen to me. Jesus died. Revelation 5, 9. You were slain. And with your blood, you purchased men for God from every tongue, tribe, people, and nation. Is it sin? Is it fear? Is it rejection? Is it hopelessness? I want everyone to stand.